Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The New York Giants were 30 minutes into oblivion, and then Daniel Jones called game. Could they do it again without Saquon Barkley? Also, the Sean Payton era has gotten off to a bumpy start in Denver. Rocky start, it was right there, Rocky Mountains. And the Bengals started 0-2. But this year feels different. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Through a game and a half of the 2023 NFL season, it looked like the New York Giants were going to be more likely to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes than the postseason, getting outscored 60 to nothing. And then a lot of things have changed. Namely, the offense woke up and they put together a 21-point comeback, 17 points in the fourth quarter alone and stunned the Arizona Cardinals 31-28. to Patricia Trena from Locked on Giants joins me now. And Patricia, this was a team that certainly could have rolled over. They chose something different. How did they get back on track? Basically, they didn't they didn't stop believing in themselves. You know, look, stuff's going to happen over the course of a game. And um, you can either throw up your hands and say, OK, that's it. I quit. Or you can keep fighting. And, you know, one thing Brian Dable, the head coach, stresses with this football team, never give up. You know, I know it sounds like a cliche, but we have seen teams in the past, giant teams in particular, that have given up. This team did not. And uh, Daniel Jones playing behind a newly configured offensive line that further was reconfigured due to injuries, just, you know, had himself a game. He, he you know, found, started throwing the ball deep down the field and it just, you know, it, it woke everybody up and one thing led to another. And, and the result is a lot of happy faces for the most part in the Giants locker room. Yeah, I, I do think though, obviously you don't want to be down 20 to nothing to an Arizona Cardinals team that, is in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes to be sure. And, and also 28 points on the board against Josh Dobbs after what we saw from this Giants defense in week one. How do they get this defense back to playing the kind of ball that we saw them play a lot of times last year under Wink Martindale? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of mistakes, a little bit of sloppiness, a little bit of being out of sorts. But, you know, again, they just, they, they kept chopping wood. You know, I thought the front seven initially was quiet. I was like, okay, did they even get off the bus and get, you know, get onto the stadium field? But they woke up. You started to see plays from, you know, Dexter Lawrence and, and Leonard Williams. You started to see the back end of the defense settle down a little bit. Um, they tighten up things against the run. The run defense was, was again, a problem to start the game. So they just, you know, kept at it and, you know, stuff started to click for them. And, and I think part of it is also feeding off the energy from the offense. When the offense sort of woke up, uh, the defense said, hey, you know, we better wake up and do our part. So for this Giants team, uh, how do you, what do you make of two games into this season? Because for for one and a half games, maybe 1.3, 1.75 games, this team has looked lifeless and terrible. So is this just like time to wake up or is this Giants team maybe not as good as we thought? 
We're going to find out. I don't know if we we know the exact answer, but what I will say about this giant team, and it's funny because the 2007 Super Bowl team, the Giants team that won that Super Bowl, started off pretty much the same way, except they went 0-2 and were on the verge of losing their third straight game before they woke up at halftime of that third game. But regarding the current team, you know, I think – you know, so far they've beaten the teams that they should beat, which, you know, the Cardinals, everybody could agree that they should have beaten the Cardinals without any, you know, a second thought. The Cowboys, I think what happened there was, you know, there were enough people who didn't think the Giants could beat the Cowboys, but that maybe they could be competitive with them. And of course that didn't happen, you know, and you can, you can point to any number of factors there, but the bottom line is the Cowboys were just the better team that they put on the field. So, um, I'm not sure what this giant team is other than it is resilient. Um, we will see if the victory carries over to the game uh, Thursday night against the San Francisco 49ers, who are one of the, the top teams in football. Um, so we'll see if that carries over and if they can stand toe-to-toe with the 49ers. I don't know that they'll beat them, but at least be competitive. Don't get blown off the field like they did against the Cowboys. Yeah, their next four at San Francisco, you mentioned on the short week. Then the Seahawks, they go to Miami and to Buffalo. Then they come back and play the Commanders, the 2-0 and Washington Commanders at home. If they want to save their season, it's going to have to happen right now, fast and in a hurry. Patricia, thank you. Stay up to date all year on the New York Giants by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Giants on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Broncos have not gotten off to the best start under Sean Payton. Before we get to that, the Dolphins and Patriots squared off in an AFC East grudge match. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. We've got two games tonight that feature divisional matchups. The Saints are on the road to face the Panthers and the Steelers host the Browns. FanDuel has the home team as underdogs in both games. Saints, three-point favorites over the Panthers and the Browns favored by two and a half in Pittsburgh. You can also combine bets within the same game to make even more money. Same game parlays are a great way to enjoy any game. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. It was the up-and-coming Mike McDaniel against the old head. The greatest to ever do it. Bill Belichick in prime time, Sunday night football. The Dolphins, courtesy of a official review, an overturn on a fourth and mid in plus territory with the Patriots down seven points. Mike Gusecki catches the ball. Here's a big surprise. Mike Gusecki gets tackled one-on-one in the open field for the New England Patriots on fourth down and turns and laterals the ball to offensive guard Cole Strange, who gets in the pile, gets stood up by Andrew Van Ginkle, Javon Hollins leaning on him, a bunch of bodies show up, and they originally really had a first down. He clearly did not have a first down, but the official ruling on the field initially was a first down. Goes to Booth Review. Five minutes later, they overturn the call. The Dolphins walk off. They kneel out, go to victory formation, and they win 24-17 to over the Patriots. 
Anthony Richardson was in the midst of one of the best football games of his life when he quickly realized something wasn't right. The Indianapolis Colts rookie quarterback admitted he was experiencing concussion symptoms early in the second quarter of Sunday's 31-20 win over the Houston Texans. After a concussion evaluation, Richardson was pulled from the game and did not return. His status going forward will be determined in accordance with the NFL's concussion protocol as the 1-1 Colts have a road game against the Baltimore Ravens in Week 3. Coach Shane Steichen believed the concussion occurred when Richardson scored on a 15-yard touchdown run with just over nine minutes remaining in the first quarter. Richardson was hit hard by Houston safety MJ Stewart as he crossed the goal line and his head hit the turf as he hit the ground. Remember, Richardson had to leave week one late in the game as well because of a head injury. The 49ers took care of business against the Rams. It wasn't as pretty as the San Francisco 49ers blowout win in week one, but they held on to beat the Los Angeles Rams, improving to 2-0 with a 30-23 victory in Los Angeles. Hey everybody, I'm Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers, and Brock Purdy missed some throws, but still a really good performance by the San Francisco 49ers. They were on it early offensively, uh, hit a little rough patch in the middle of the football game, and really the, the 49ers defense uh, kind of was able to withstand a hailstorm of 55 pass attempts from Matthew Stafford, most of those to rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua, who caught 15 passes for 147 yards, but it was not enough for the Rams. The 49ers on the power of another 20 carries for Christian McCaffrey, 116 yards and a touchdown. Debo getting in the end zone. Brock Purdy doing it himself as well. And the 49ers improved to 2-0. and the Chiefs got their first win of the season as they slid past the Jaguars in an ugly game. And the Kansas City Chiefs hold on to win the game 17-9. It was an ugly game from basically start to finish with Kansas City not playing well offensively. They continue to, to have problems. Uh, three turnovers on the day. Uh, a muff punt was one of them. It is just something that is continuing to happen to Kansas City. They have not gotten off to a good offensive start. Luckily for Kansas City, though, their defense is showing out. Chris Jones returned. He had a sack and a half. You're also looking at a situation where George Karloftis had a sack and a half. They got after Trevor Lawrence. They gave pressure just about every single play, and they were able to force the Jaguars into only having three field goals instead of any touchdowns. That is a huge win for this unit, for Steve Spagnuolo and this Chiefs defense. This is the best defense that Mahomes has played with so far in his young career. And the NL wildcard race continues to be insane. The Diamondbacks beat the Cubs Sunday night. The Marlins completed a sweep of the Braves. The Reds fell to the Mets and the Giants beat the Rockies. That means the Phillies are still the number one wildcard team, followed now by the Diamondbacks and then a tie between the Cubs and the Marlins. The Reds are half game back from a wildcard spot and the Giants are two games back. Are you following all of this? There will be a test. Good thing we have the answers to the test here on Locked On Sports today with just over two weeks left. Stay tuned. Is another story you need to know. The aesthetics have been a little different. How they got there has been a little different. But the Broncos find themselves in a similar position as last year. An 0-2 start after a heartbreaking loss at the hands of the Washington Commanders. A two-point conversion gone awry. A Hail Mary that was just kind of half a Hail Mary, I guess, now because the prayer wasn't fully answered. I don't know if it, if it still counts. Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos joins me now. And, and Cody, 
as I mentioned, uh, the season not starting as a re record wise, the way that Broncos fans want, but what, what is actually different about this team this year? Well, I mean, Peter, I think we saw that in the first quarter, you know, the Broncos were cooking on offense. I mean, they were super efficient three, their first three drives led in touchdowns. And all of a sudden from that point forward, one negative play spiraled into a snowball of negative plays, lost momentum and Washington capitalized and Denver could never regain their footing in this game. And certainly for Sean Payton, this is very different. He acknowledged that in the post-game press conference that this is not something he's used to. And I'm very, very curious to see what the path of this team is now that they've started 0-2 because, Peter, I think there's only two teams since the modern era who have started off 0-2 and those two games being at home that have gone on to make the playoffs. The mm. Cincinnati Bengals were one of those teams last year, and if history says anything, it doesn't look good for the Broncos here. The difference, at least in Week 2, was Russell Wilson. 18 of 32 for 308, three touchdowns, did throw the interception, but you mentioned those early touchdown drives he looked much more comfortable in this offense against a Washington defense that we think is going to be pretty good over the course of the season. And so that has to be the encouraging piece here. How much do you think they can rely on that while this defense that no longer has a Giro Evero to pull the strings, can they, can they rely on that now? Is that is one game enough for you to say, okay, this is going in the right direction? Well, it doesn't get any easier, Peter, because they play the Miami Dolphins next week, and they might start off 0-3 here. But, you know, I think in that first quarter, they were doing a really good job of mitigating the pass rush, but the commanders, Jack Del Rio, they did a great job adjusting, and they pressured Russell Wilson left and right. Peter, he was sacked seven times on the wow. afternoon and hit 14 times in this game. Now, some of that... He did hold on to the ball a little too long on some of those instances, but the the offensive line really had a rough day. Mike McGlinchey had a rough day in company. I that defensive front there is very very good here for Washington, but you know how can Denver learn from? Them? I mean, this is a spot that they've been in far too long. And look, I think Peter, the Broncos have had a losing culture. They have not learned how to win, and they seemingly find every way you can to lose a game. And until they get rid of that, I mean, everything's up in the air right now. But, yeah, I mean, obviously some things to build on. But at this point, where are things headed with the contract of Russell Wilson? If there is a bright spot in all of this, Marvin Mims, a walking big play in this game, had a pair of absolutely monster plays. Rarely can you get 113 yards and a touchdown on two catches, Cody, but that is exactly <laughs> what he did. They love this rookie. How do they get him more involved? Well, I mean, you got to go his way a little bit more, right? I mean, you talk about it, two catches on two targets, 113 yards, one touchdown. He had a 40 or a 45 or 50 yard kick return or punt return in this game as well. And all of a sudden the second half, he doesn't see a single target. I mean, yeah. that's where Denver's offense was. They went touchdown, 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 and then they went punt, uh, fumble. They, they gave up, you know, an interception and then another punt once again. I mean, they moved forward. And then they took three steps backwards in this game. But Marvin is a, a, a flash in the pan. He's a blur. And ironically enough, he, an undrafted rookie for agent, Mar uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, they scored touchdowns here. So rookies contributing in a big way here for the Broncos. And unfortunately, the second half didn't see really any targets, which was a little bit odd. Sean Payton, new hire in the building, got paid an absolute truckload a year after the Broncos paid Russell Wilson an absolute truck club, but you have to believe coming in, Sean Payton is going to have more wiggle room than Russell Wilson. So let's say, as you mentioned, they go 0-3 and we start to get toward October. Could this team be in sell mode a little bit to try and get some, some picks and then reload this offseason, maybe without Russell Wilson? Is, is, is there 
a, a worst case scenario that's actually got a silver lining here? No, to be honest with you, Peter, you're spot on. If they go 0-3 and, and then look, they play Justin Fields and the Bears, which they're going through their struggles. But if they go 0-4 and, and then they face the New York Jets, no Aaron Rodgers, but they have there's a real legitimate chance that they start off 0-5 and, and then they play Kansas City. I mean, it doesn't get any easier here, Peter. So I think if Denver is in just they start snowballing into losing these games, these next two ones specifically, I think by the time the trade deadline comes around, we could see the Broncos become big time sellers because they're going to have to find out a way how to rebuild this culture. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. They threw a lot of money on the offensive line in free agency, but Peter, that's going to take some time. And unfortunately, Denver, I don't know where Denver's patience is. I don't know where Greg Penner, team CEO, George Payton's patience, and even Sean Payton's patience. I don't know where they're at, but I can't imagine they're going to be very happy if this skid continues to happen. Stay up to date on the Denver Broncos by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Broncos on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, just how bad is this owing to start for the Bengals? The Cincinnati Bengals began the season 0-2 last year and still made the AFC Championship game. This much is true. But after losing to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, something felt different. Locked on Bengals host Jake Lisko and James Rapine analyzed the loss. The good news, let's start with some good news. They don't play till Monday night. So you get a little more R&R if you're Joe Burrow and you can get more treatment and and go that route. That said, the the parallels between last year and this year are eerily similar. I mean, this offense really felt like it was getting going in that second half and showed signs of being the offense that you hoped. And when you go back to that second half of the Dallas game last year in week two, that's when it kind of looked like it and and looked like it was going to come out of and snap back into reality on what should be a really talented offense. That said, yeah, the, the calf injury lingers and I think is going to continue to linger and it stinks. And I, I tried to ask if it had ever felt the way it was currently feeling as he was at the podium when he had his bad days. Because when he came back, he talked about in return to practice how he would have good days and bad days. And, and so is this something he's experienced? Is this something he feels like he can play through? You, you want to try to get to it. And I think the borough that I saw up there was someone that truly didn't know. What's different? The answer is easy. It's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is not right. He admitted he re-aggravated the calf injury that kept him out all summer. And that's one of the big reasons why he looked so blech in week one, because he didn't get a preseason and clearly not 100% over that calf injury, if he's going to be hurt, if he's going to be anything less than Superman, then this team is just DOA. Not because they're not talented or because they're not well coached, but because Joe Burrow's individual performance is so central to what this team is. And we're seeing Justin Herbert right now in LA put together monster numbers and they can't win these games. That's how good the conference is right now. In an AFC, even without Aaron Rodgers, even with the Bills and the Chiefs starting a little um, wonky, there's still too much talent in the AFC for Joe Burrow to be anything less than Joe Cool, to be the absolute lights-out performer that we've seen him over the course of his career. They don't have Joe Burrow. They don't have a chance. 
Alabama's streak is over. The Crimson Tide have been ranked in the AP Top 10 for 128 straight weeks until they were ranked 13th this week. Bama struggled to South Florida this past weekend. Their streak was the second longest to Miami's streak of 137 straight weeks in the AP Top 10 from 1985 to 1993. Time will tell how the Crimson Tide faithful will deal with the adversity. My guess is everyone else, all the other fans in college football, are playing the world's smallest violin for the Crimson Tide fans right now. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, will the Steelers bounce back in prime time? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.